Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Do you need help and support in creating and embedding music in your school? If so, we have created Primary Music on Fire to help you with just this, a music membership site that's taking the fear out of teaching music by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need to produce lifelong musical memories for you, your school, and your pupils. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music. Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. the place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 6, episode 92. Hello, this is Mark Taylor. Welcome back to the Educational File podcast and our English literacy season. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Simon Hunt. And Simon will have so much to chat to us about today, all the way ranging from poetry and talking at conferences and being in America and and his website, which has um, got so many great ideas and resources and, and a great following. So, Simon, thanks so much for chatting to us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, after that very sort of brief introduction, can you sort of fill in some gaps in terms of exactly what you're doing day to day? And then also that, as I sort of mentioned, all those extra things that you've been sort of drawn into with your great experience so far. Right. Yeah. So I'm currently a year four teacher in Tottington, um, just around the corner from where I live. So I've been there for my third, I say third season, so it's my third year group, so to speak. Um, so I've been with them. This is my third year now. Previous to that, I was in year six in Bolton for about I think it was five years and before that I kind of when I first started teaching I didn't really know what year group I wanted to teach so I, I taught in reception for my NQT year which was such a difficult year and um, from there I did supply teaching for a couple of years and kind of bounced between different year groups to decide what year group that I wanted to go into and then that's when I ended up in year six so at the moment I'm just gone down to four days at Christmas um, so I work Monday to Thursday um, in my class and then on the Friday I, I work with Lit Film Fest and kind of do my own thing on that Friday and that's very recent that I've had to do that just because the stuff I've been doing outside of class I've kind of I've just not had time to do it so having that Friday gives me time to concentrate on the things I'm interested in externally and outside of school. Yeah and I've to, I'm an SLE for Bury as well so I've recently actually this week did a did a a CPD session a group of PGC students and it was just really interesting to you know fast forward from 10 years of my teaching to career when I remember being in those lectures 10 years later I'm now on the other side and it just felt a bit surreal being one of the lecturers speaking to students where 10 years before I would have never thought I could have done that and I think that's kind of I don't know that shows what 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 you can do in your in your teaching career that and where it can take you because I had no idea that I would end up doing CPD sessions, going to America, going to Brussels, all these different types of things I've done. When I first started teaching, I thought, right, well, you're a teacher, then you're an SLT, deputy and head. And that's pretty much all I thought there was in education. But now through experience and just through chance, really, I've found out there's so many more things in education that you can get into. I just didn't know at the start. I, I can imagine that whole kind of sort of like say the teacher pupil idea of sort of yeah. <laughs> having been a student and, and what that's yeah, like and, and you can remember it really clearly can't you no matter how far out of it you are and then to sort of stand I always think the same when I'm teaching things sort of standing the other side and giving that back you think oh yes but I still feel like the same person it was there receiving yeah. it not that long ago <laughs> it, I mean because it, it goes so quickly as well I mean time does go quicker the, the older you get and I, I used to sit at the back of the room so the 
the uh, lecturer just wouldn't ask me many questions. I remember sitting in the corner thinking, oh, just don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to volunteer. And then a few years later, I'm asking, I'm kind of almost picking the guys at the back that I know they're sat there like I used to do because I know it kind of, it's, you just kind of go with it. And then, I don't, yeah, it's just, it's just so surreal that it, I'm on the flip side and, yeah, and I think it's nice. When I did speak to the uh, students this week, I did say, you know, I remember not that long ago I was sat there where you are now, and it's just it's strange for me. So, you know, just breaking that barrier that you might be a lecturer, but you're still a teacher and you're still a person. You're still someone that's been in that exact same position that they're in, and I think they quite they relate to that, and I relate to it the other way around as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's a great thing as well, even from that sort of teacher to sort of young pupil kind of relationship as well, isn't it? You know, just remembering that, you know, we're delivering delivering all this content and we're talking to our students but actually you know when you are seven or eight you know that relationship of understanding what it was like there even though that was even further back but just mm. you know who are the, who are these people that I'm engaging with every day and exactly how are they thinking and taking it on and I think if you can have that in the back of your mind as well that must be a real asset as a, as a teacher in the school. It is, yeah, definitely, definitely, and yeah, I just, I just found it. It's, it's such an interesting thing to, to be part of, and uh, yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it as well because with the PGC students, they were so interested in everything you had to say, and even when, when I talk about the things I've done in my teaching career, it kind of, you almost have to, sort of, when I sit back and create a presentation and look about what I've done you think well actually what I have done is pretty cool actually I never thought any of these things would have happened and it kind of I almost reflect myself when I'm getting things ready and kind of go over stuff that I've almost forgot that I've done and yeah I just find it I just find it really interesting when um yeah when I do these sessions and and do you find part of that is sort of not a kind of I guess a kind of celebrity status in as much as you know I know your Facebook page Mr Hunt's Ideas is, is, is <laughs> yeah. very popular and, and you've got your website as well Mr Hunt from the front and um, mm. these sort of PGC students do they know you already through all of that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah some of them did I mean I mean the one I always get noticed for is the floss dance thing that happened like <laughs> well, roughly this time last year which that it, that was just something we did at break time and I thought oh just we just did a little video stick to stuck on the internet and within a day it was trending above Winnie Mandela's death on on the internet it was just it was really surreal so some of them do remember me do know me from that but um my worry actually going back to that is when that did come out and it kind of pinged all around the internet it's had something million views which is ridiculous um I thought I hope people realize I do actually teach as well I don't stand there <laughs> swinging my hips and my arms around I do do I do do teaching as well I yeah. teach as well so that was my worry at the time but because of that exposure for the school and for me it kind of got my foot in the door in other places which without dancing <laughs> I would have never got to in the first place so yeah so and, and then people like my page because they like that video and then they actually look back and think well actually he does put some good ideas on there and I've used him in my class as well so it kind of it was it was a foot in the door to other places and other avenues but yeah they um I still get especially in Tottington where near where I live I see some of the parents go oh, you're gonna dance for us today and I'm like oh gosh please <laughs> <laughs> I should charge for it now yeah exactly exactly it's taking it with good grace like say a year down the a year down the track is <laughs> it's an interesting concept it is yeah <laughs> um the other thing I really like about um, lots of the things that you've done is is that you know we talk about cross curricular, but a lot of the things I've been talking to people about recently have been very much about the fact that children don't think in that subject idea in the way that we sort of deliver it or the way that things are set up now, and, and the fact that you've you know talking through poetry and actually the use of technology and all the different types of things that you do. Do you sort of see it as a whole, or do you still sort of have to compartmentalise it all just because that's 
maybe what you're being asked to do or being advised on at any given time? I think if you put them in boxes, you kind of almost cap in what the children are able to do. I think the, the cross-curricular routes are the best because, I mean, for example, with poetry, I've always found poetry is something that children just don't like. They don't like doing it. And the reason why is because a lot of teachers have this negative view of poetry. So what tended to happen when I was in year six, I'd get children, I'd say, right, we're going to do poetry. And you could see them going, oh, I don't like poetry because a lot of teachers don't like it. And the reason why is because they get children get so obsessed with rhyming the last word of each line of the poem. They actually forget the process of writing. It's just creative writing. It's just writing things down on a page and putting ideas. And obviously when they do get to year six, the focus is on spag and grammar and it just loses it. It kind of stifles the creativity. And also a lot of teachers do do the, you know, the at Christmas, they'll do an acrostic poem at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or they'll do, oh, I've got to do poetry for a week. I've, I've got to squeeze it in. And then the children, if the teacher's not in, I mean, you can see it all the time. If the teacher's not into the subject or doesn't come across as if they're into what they're teaching, the kids know straight away. They know if the teacher's not, you know, they're not, if the teacher's not enjoying it, the kids know straight away. And then they sort of disengage and they click off as well. But through the use of technology, because um, we, we always record our poems because poetry is supposed to be performed. So we always record our poetry for the children to watch back and then they can see how they speak because lots of them don't, actually listen back to how they speak so part of the curriculum is you know intonation and pitch and tone of voice but if we don't get the children the opportunity to listen to themselves back then how are they going to adjust and change how they speak or how they read so by filming things especially poetry they're actually able to look at it back and then what I do tend to do when I teach poetry in my class and I've always done this I don't tell them we're about to do poetry I just tell them we're going to write ideas down on paper because I know if I say we're going to do poetry, they'll switch off some of them. So I do that at the end. And then when we create a poem, a whole class poem together, which is how we did the um, the one that took us to European Parliament, when we do a whole class poem, then at the end, we put the ideas together. So actually, we've just created a poem here. And they're like, oh, it's really easy and simple. And and then they understand, you know, it's not about the, it's not about stifling. It's about being a bit creative. And then poetry gives you that opportunity to do it. And also what they do like doing is... There's a poet called Paul Jenkins who says this as well. He um, he says the reason why children like poetry when they get you know when they, when they have experience with it is because they know they're breaking the rules of grammar. <laughs> but the good thing about breaking the rules of grammar is that they know there's rules rules there in the first place. So if they know that they don't have to put a full stop at the end of a sentence because it's a poem. Uh, if they're aware of that, then they know they're break the breaking the rules in the first place. So they must know the rules in the, at the start. So it kind of yeah it just gives you that freedom to just be a bit I don't know break some rules and just write some ideas down and be creative and I love poetry and it's when I was a kid and even when I first started teaching I never thought I would say that because that was one of the things I thought the least comfortable teaching was poetry because I just didn't have a good experience of it I think for me or what what comes to mind now is is I had a, a conversation this week with somebody and they were talking about the same thing in relation to music um and they were saying as soon as you mention to a class of children now we're going to do some composition they all switch off they freeze up they don't know what to do because they expect mm. or this particular example also said that they expect in their mind they see a grey-haired sort of german 
old person who's done yeah. something you know that's sort of the, yeah. oh that's the sort of thing we're going to do or that's the sort of person i need to be to be able to do it or you know it just conjures up all these images and where they come from is amazing you know even at such mm. a young age what they perceive it actually is and they were saying exactly the same thing don't call it this go down a different route just give them mm-hmm. a chance to experiment and to explore and, and test sounds and all that sort of thing and it sounds like exactly the same thing because yeah. there they're just creative and in the flow and going with what they need to do within the you know the boundaries or the environment that you set but it's just a very different atmosphere to begin with it is it's just play with language just like with music you just play just you know just have a go have a mess have a play and see what see what you come up with it's the same with poetry and with literacy you just play with language play with words and just give it a go and then see what you come up with because the grammar stuff which is always a focus in primary school to year six especially that's something you can sort out later and then you can look at that once you've written something then you can go into the grammar if you start at grammar first I mean it's boring I'll be honest with you grammar teaching grammar isn't the most exciting thing but once you've got something there to then look at and the examples are using other children's work then you can teach grammar through something that they've they've got down in front of them and yeah that's just something I I just love teaching poetry and it's you know lots of things that I've been able to do outside of teaching and through teaching has been from a poem that I did in class on a wet Wednesday afternoon in Bolton the first one so it's kind of yeah and I think it's important that as teachers that we, you know, there's so many people that dislike a subject from being a kid and not enjoying it at school. And it can have an impact for so long. I mean, you speak to anyone that's um, been at school, they can always remember their favourite teacher. And they can always remember the lesson they don't like. And it's usually because they had a bad experience within that lesson. It can go all the way back to reception and even earlier. So it's so important that we give children the positive experiences on all the subjects. So then they can explore and can see what happened with those positive experiences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think that's that's so so important. And, and the other thing I was just going to um, follow up from what you said before, you were talking mm-hmm. about re- recording the, the poems and, and that kind of thing. Is that is that just a very different experience now because you can do it on a on an iPad or a device and so yeah. it can be a bit more personal rather than that kind of now we'd like you to stand up in front of the class and recite your poem you know is there is there that sort of personal element to it now which makes it a bit more accessible and it less is. fearful for them it is and it's really easy to do and if you lots of children if you ask what most primary school children want to do when they're older they they all want to be YouTubers that's one of the it's like a new job that existed mm. didn't even exist a few years ago and you can tap into that well YouTuber would have to write a script they would write something down and they would record it and edit it and go back back to it and by using recording and recording poetry for example they're technically being YouTubers and then if we put their work on YouTube through the school YouTube channel or on my Facebook page then they become YouTubers and they get likes and follow it and they get um, views and they see people watching it around the world and it's just it's just kind of it's tapping into their interests it's using what they like to help you teach the curriculum and in terms of, um, like you said, now working four days a week rather than five, mm. how, how did that come about? Was that something you were able to organise with the school or uh, was there yeah. sort of a, a natural bit chance for that to take place? It was difficult because I love being in class. It's my favourite thing to do is to be in a class, speaking to my children and then just being a teacher. That's what I'm good at. That's what I enjoy doing. Um, but... I had the opportunity to work with Lit Film Fest with uh, Dominic Trainer, who you've spoken to recently. Um, he'd seen some of the stuff online, and from that, he said, "You know, would you like to do something like that with us?" And at first, I was like, I was unsure because it was a bit of a risk because going from five days to four, um, I'm out of class for a day, and then I'm, it's something that's out of my comfort zone. But over the past year and 
longer. We've been teaching children about growth mindset and taking risks and doing something different. And I thought, well, if I don't give this a go and try something different myself, then how can I then stand in front of children and talk about take risks, guys, do something mm-hmm. different if I'm not prepared to do the same thing myself? And through working on, on my Fridays now, it's just been since Christmas, um, I've been able to really, you know, I've been writing some plans and some things with uh, Lit Film Fest uh, about World Book Day, which I would never have had a chance to do. And luckily for me, I work in a school that they're so supportive. My head teacher and everyone that I work with supports everything that I do because also they see the benefit for the school because the exposure we've had over the past few years through my Facebook page and the things that we've, you know, we've entered competitions and won equipment and technology and things I always do are always for the school first and then anything else is an offset for me. Um, so they've been supportive as well and it's, it's going really well. It's also nice that and every Friday I can take my boy to school, which is something that I've really, you know, when you have children and just being able to take a child, your child to school, that every fr- the Friday morning is my favorite thing in the whole world. And I'm able to do that now. And it's also strange being there. Do you know the parent that drops the child off in the morning, waving them goodbye from being for 10 years previous, the other, other end where you receive the child yeah. and wave goodbye <laughs> to the parent. It's so surreal being on the other side and still, it's, it's funny. Um, so yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm just going to continue working on my Fridays to, you know, really progress my career and just do something for me as well as the school. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. The fact that, you know, especially those teachers that are parents as well, you know, that, you know, your children are there and, and so so many sacrifices often come in because you're doing it for um, mm. the, the the children in your school but your you know your own children you know often don't get you don't get the chance to spend that time with because you're you're at school or or all yes. these things clash and that kind of thing so i think any opportunity like that is a very special one which is is really lovely to hear it is it's it's, it's been good it's been nice so take us through a little bit about some of the conferences you've spoken to and you talked before about going to europe how did that sort of happen and, and what was the details of those right so Going to Europe, now this is a long story, so I'll start from the beginning. So um, about four years ago, I watched the documentary Blackfish. And for anyone that's not seen it, it's basically about how orcas or killer whales um, are in captivity in SeaWorld and different places, and marine park, different places around the world. They're basically too intelligent, and the conditions they live in isn't, doesn't suit them, basically. That's kind of the long and short of it. And I watched this on, I think it was a Saturday evening, around about October, and um, gosh, about five years ago now, and the, a couple of the week after, we had to do a balanced argument, and I thought, oh, I can use this as part of my lessons because 10, 15 years previous to that, I went to SeaWorld, and then I'd seen Blackfish, so I'd seen both sides of the story in effect. So the first Monday, we got back to school. We got to school on the Monday, and I put a picture of me, and I had a basketball top, and I was about 16 years old with <laughs> curtains as well. So I put this picture of me at SeaWorld and said to the children, um, you know, I went to SeaWorld when I was 16. Let's watch a video of the killer whales doing one of the shows. So we watched the show, and it is impressive to watch when your child watching these huge animals jump through the air and, and swim with the, the trainers. And I said, right, who would like to go? So all 30 of them popped their hand up and said, well, let's do some persuasive writing to Mrs. Barnes, who was the head teacher at the time um, at the school that I worked at. Let's do some persuasive writing and try to persuade her to let us go to SeaWorld because we'd like to see them in the flesh. So they were scurrying away and so did lots of writing. And then um, we handed it to the head and she said, she'll have a look at the budgets and see what she can do. And then the day after, um, I just asked the children, I said, how do you think those huge animals got there in the first place? And they kind of looked at each other and looked at me and thought, well, I don't know. <laughs> How did they get there? And so I showed a clip from Blackfish, which is a one where you can see the young orcas, so the ones that get taken away from the mothers, mm-hmm. 
so they get taken away. Those are the original ones that went to SeaWorld in the 70s. And and they kind of understood, the, you know, because they could relate to it. Imagine if they were taking away from their parents, they could sort of relate to that. And they said, well, let's delve into this a little bit more. Let's look at both sides of the argument. I'm not going to push my views upon you. I'm going to show you both sides of the argument and let's decide how we feel. So we looked at the arguments for, we looked at the arguments against, and the, the children then decided that they were against the whole um, going to SeaWorld. So I said, right, well, let's let's write something the next day. So this is when I first did that poetry format that I did. So I cleared the tables, cleared the chairs, and then I rolled a huge piece of paper down the, do you know the backing paper that you get for your wall? It's like white yep. paper. A huge roll of paper down the center of the classroom. And then I said, right, what we're going to do is I've got some headings here. We'll watch a bit of video, we'll have a chat, and then just write something down underneath each heading. And the headings were, it was, first of the first heading was I used to be, and that was meaning orcas, how they used to be in the wild, they used to be free, fly through the ocean, and we just written some sentences down. And then I showed the, the clip of them being taken again, so we, the next heading was then they. So they had to write sentences around then they, how they got taken, how they must have felt when they got taken. And then the next heading was now, and now means how we showed a clip of the killer whales, they kind of circle in the tank, it's quite lonely, there were the collapsed or something, and they circle round, and then how you would feel lonely, how do you feel sad, and the, the fact that the different orcas taken from around the world speak different languages technically. And then will I, meaning will I ever be free and back in the ocean again? So we've written all these down on the centre of the, on the floor, on the floor, and then we decided to pick little bits of the sentences and we put it together. Then we read it with some nice music, and I said we've just created a poem. And they were like, oh, is that what a poem is? It does not have to rhyme. And so we had that conversation about how it doesn't have to rhyme. And then we decided. The, for the first time we decided well we record this and we'll record it with a green screen with some images at the back so the day after we did it at lunchtime we took some children we record some of the poem and because they all created the poem together they all had ownership of this one poem um, and then we put it on my facebook page on the school youtube channel and then that was it really and then the day after um an organization called anti-park marine which is an organization in france they show facts and statistics about Marine Park, which is kind of like SeaWorld, but just outside of Paris. And they said, can we translate this beautiful poem into uh, French, um, please? So I said, of course you can. Give them permission. And then within a few days, it had something like 200,000 views, like a French version of our poem with the subtitles underneath. And I couldn't believe that that, that would have happened from something we did on a wet Wednesday in Bolton. <laughs> um so it's one of those things where, you know, the week after we were going to do a different subject and thought, there's no chance I can just go, right, guys, let's do a different book next week. You kind of sometimes you just got to go with the flow, so to speak, because we could get so much more out of this. So um, I emailed um, one of the trainers called Sam Berg. So she's from the film. She's one of the main trainers who worked with Tillicum, the main the killer whale they talk about mostly in the film. And I said, is there any chance we could speak to you um, through Skype? And Within a couple of days, she said yes, because she'd seen our poem. Um, someone had shared the poem to her, so she'd actually seen it. And so on the Friday, we, um, I said to the guys, right, we're all going to write some questions if we would like to speak to Sandberg, one of the trainers, and they all knew who she was by then. Um, what questions would we like to ask her? So we all written some questions down, and then after break, I said, right, we'll speak to her. This, um, and they, do you know when you sort of say things to kids, especially in year six, sometimes they don't really 100% believe you because as part of teaching you kind of sometimes lie to them depending on what subject <laughs> you're doing so they didn't really believe that was going, they were going to speak to me and in fact Sam was in Alaska at the time and she'd just uh, spoken to CNN and then she was speaking to 
Devonshire Royal Primary School, which is a bit surreal. <laughs> so she spoke to us for about an hour, and it was so interesting because, one, I didn't really have to do anything because the children came up and asked questions themselves. And two, just to see them having a two-way conversation with uh, someone all the way other side of in Alaska. It was just really, it was so interesting to see. So... The week after, I shared the poem with Born Free, the organisation, you know, Born Free, yeah. uh, with Virginia McKenna. So um, I shared them the poem, and they said they absolutely loved the poem. And would you be interested in going to Brussels because we're trying to get a bill that's being passed through in, in the European Parliament of um, basically the ban of captive cetaceans and cetaceans or anything larger than a dolphin above because they're too intelligent and too big to be in small tanks um would you be interested in coming to brussels so i thought right okay so i went to speak to my head and i said is there any chance um you've got 10 grand or so knocking around that we can send some kids and myself to brussels and she said i'll have a look but i very much doubt it so i thought right i can't just right i'm gonna try something so i looked into european parliament and meps and i found a kind of a loophole that um, MEPs have a certain amount of budget for educational visits. So I contacted Sajid Karim, who's the MEP for Northwest, and I said, look, you know, we're doing some work on EU Parliament, we're trying to get Bill Force through. Is there any chance we could, as part of your budget, could we send me a couple of other teachers and some students over? And within a few days, he just said yes. And I was like, right. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't expecting a, a yes straight away. So I then had to embark on probably the hardest thing I've ever done, which is a risk assessment for me, two other teachers and 10 children to go all the way to Brussels. Um, but I did. And then we I filled in all the forms, everything I needed to do. And in the meantime, at school, we were looking at balanced arguments. We were collecting signatures for the bill that was being passed, trying to get pushed through. Um, the children collected something like two, 3,000 uh, signatures, which is, which is crazy, really. And... We chose 10 children. Now, this was probably one of the hardest things we had to do because how are you supposed to choose 10 children from, well, there were 60, so it was two classes, to go to Brussels? So we just had to randomly select them because there was no way we could, I could, you know, say you, you, and you. I just I couldn't, it would break my heart. So we just randomly selected. And what was so lovely, the, the 10 that did get selected, and obviously they were really pleased, but the rest of the class, both classes, were really supportive of the children that got picked. So that was that was just nice to see. And then in the March time, just after the Christmas, we then got a, within, we set off to Brussels. We we had 10 students, myself, the deputy and one of my TAs. We, we went down to Manchester Airport, flew over to Brussels and we got a coach and then we got a tram and then we walked and then we got to um, where we were staying for the few days. So we got there on the Friday and we were staying there till the Tuesday. Um, on the Saturday, we went to European Parliament to hand in our petition to Sajid Karim. We got to meet him and we had some conversation. We had a tour around the main chamber. And then on the Sunday, as part of the work with Bon Free, they wanted us to perform our poem in the main chamber live. Um, so we went to the screening of Netflix, uh, the, the documentary, sorry, um, Blackfish, in the main chamber of European Parliament sat right at the front where all the flags are in this huge auditorium with all these European delegates inside there and then me and a, 10 kids from Bolton in the school uniforms sat right at the front. So there's a, a debate going on between SeaWorld executives and um, anti-captivity uh, scientists and then they invited questions at the end and then my children then started pressing, do you know the buzzers where the microphone is? Yeah. On the, they all started pressing the buzzers and uh, at the moment, I thought, right, okay, 
what are they going to say here? <laughs> How's this going to go? Because it was a bit surreal that what was all happening. So um, one of the boys pressed the buzzer and started to speak, give a really good, passionate view of uh, and give some statistics to the SeaWorld executives. And I can't, it, it was it was strange because they didn't re- expect a group of 10 and 11-year-old kids to give such detailed statistics and facts. And it kind of the SeaWorld executives didn't really know what to say because they didn't expect this to happen. And as a teacher, I was sat in the middle of European Parliament with my kids debating with SeaWorld executives and winning. And I thought, how did this happen (laughs) from a poetry lesson in Bolton? So after that, we met the delegates from the anti-captivity crew um, from Born Free. And it was just, we had caviar and we went to, we treated like royalty in the European Parliament. And then the next two days we did a bit of sightseeing then we flew back and then i remember getting back to class and thinking right okay what's my next topic going to be because i don't know how i'm ever going to match or even come close to that one um fast forward about two months later i got a letter from SeaWorld, and um it came through to the school and i read i've got it here now so this, the letter came from SeaWorld, and it says dear mrs barnes who's the head teacher we are writing to bring to your attention the anti-zoo campaign currently being headed up by a teacher at devonshire Royal primary school while we appreciate the subject of animals and zoological care is sometimes a subject of debate i hope you agree that teachers have a duty to present all the facts and give equal prominence to conflicting views and opinions and it was kind of aggressive letter mm. and i was a bit i was worried at the time because i thought am i going to get sued by SeaWorld just because of some poetry we did and something that she had online so i contacted born free and i said um this is what's happened what what do i do because i don't want to get in trouble here and they said well what it is um, the seaward executives they didn't like the publicity you guys had got and how your video had been trending and what they do they send this letter like a blanket letter but they change some details to people that are saying something negative about SeaWorld basically and a large percentage of the people will just stop doing it but really it's just something they do so people would stop so I thought right okay so I knew I was in the clear so I then printed off the letter and all the statistics that they gave to us and then posted them around the classroom the next day. And as the children came in, they looked at the letter and they were actually angered by (laughs) me getting this letter. And then we wrote 60 very angry letters back to SeaWorld saying that the facts that they've got are incorrect and this is why and this is why and this is why. And so it had, um, in fact, it had the opposite effect that they thought it was going to have. And then we didn't hear from them since. Wow. So, yeah, and then, so uh, about two years later, I kind of just forgot that we'd been part of this um, this law that was trying to get passed through. And then I got a letter in my post, and it's this big official letter, and I opened it, and it was a notice to EU members. And it was basically a summary of the petition, what's happening from now, and the fact that my class and myself were named on this European parliamentary law that's now being passed in EU countries. And at the time of sending the letter i think five or six countries including i think it was bulgaria and uh, a few of the a few of the countries had already signed up to the law so from some poetry and from some balanced creative writing we did at school um my class from bolton three years ago now are now named on an eu parliamentary law which i mean if, you, <laughs> if there's ever a purpose for writing and an outcome i mean that's a, you know the, that's the one um so it was yeah it's i know i've just spoken for a while there but when i talk about it it's just it boggles my mind how this happened as well i think it, i think it's amazing and, and yeah i mean and, and there, there are so many really interesting things in there you know in the thing i like the most i think is the fact that 
it makes everyone realize that one you can make a difference or certainly that you have a voice you know even even from those sort of initial stages of kind of you know can we speak to someone on Skype that's sort of related mm. to something that we're doing, you know, and, and the fact that what you say actually has some impact and, and then because you're using technology and, uh, you know, all, all, all those things, you have to sort of, you, you are making those decisions and you are making it happen in many ways. But then, like you say, it mm. then just goes off in a completely different well, not a different tangent, but just much further than you'd ever imagined that it would do. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't have imagined you were going to be in the European Parliament. But you know, these things can happen, and if you just do what you're passionate about and you do it, you know, authentically and in, in a way, you just don't know what's 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 possible. And I think that's mm. an, an amazing lesson for anyone to to listen to, let alone to actually be have first-hand experience of in such a dramatic mm. way. And if you think those children that did that in year six, they, the belief in what they're capable of now must be just huge. Because when they go to secondary school and they're in a lesson and they talk about what you've done, oh, we've changed law. And you've changed law at 10 and 11 years old. What are these children going to do when they get older? And also as a teacher, just to, you know, the possibilities that I never knew these things could happen. But, you know, maybe we think, maybe just think big as a teacher what you know what can we do as a teacher and it just yeah and giving those children a voice is just it was just it was an unbelievable experience and then um last year i did a similar topic again we looked at a free morgan campaign um because i got because i had good contacts from them and um so these were my year four children so last year we did a similar topic we did some poetry we did some persuasive writing but at the end of it the um there's an annual conference in seattle on Samwan island which is just it's a small island just off the coast of seattle and the reason why i have this conference here there every year um it's the blackfish crew and a few of the scientists and delegates from all around the world they all convene at this little island Samwan island just off the coast of seattle and the reason why is because it's surrounded by uh, the chanuk salmon they swim around there every single year around about july and the killer whales they circle the island at that particular point and and I got an email from Jeffrey Ventry and said, would you like to come to Samuel Island to present what you've done with your children? So I thought, well, when am I ever going to get a, an opportunity to fly to an island just off the coast of Seattle to speak to people about the work I've done in class? So I, obviously I said yes straight away. And then in July last year, um, I was on a plane to Seattle by myself, um, ready to present some of the work my children had done. I got to Seattle. I got um, ferried over for about five, six hours from the coast of Seattle to Samwan Island, and I stayed in a little harbour um, in this gorgeous island. And then the second day, the Canadian Senate spoke about um, zoological issues. And then I spoke straight after him. And I spoke for about 45 minutes, and um, part of the session was speaking live back to the children back in England. So I spoke via Skype back to my children, and it was it was I was really nervous when I first got started because I thought I felt really out of my comfort zone here because it was something very different to what I'm used to. You know, I can stand in front of a hundred, two hundred children, no problem, but stick a lot of adults in front of me that I've never met before. I'm a bit nervous. Mm -hmm. And but when I actually got started and when I played when my children spoke live back to the theatre the whole audience it was about the size of the um like the palace theater in manchester it was a really huge theater full of um, people from around the world um my kids had them in the palm of their hand because there were these six and seven year olds talking really passionately about a subject that the whole audience were very passionate about as well and afterwards i got to meet um 
Ingrid Vesser, who's um, a really famous scientist to do with uh, killer whales. Uh, I was actually reading her book on the way over there, and then she took me out for lunch while I was there, which, <laughs> again, it's, it's surreal. And then the next day, um, Jeffrey Bentry from Blackface said, you know, would you like to come on my boat? We're going to see if we can see some orcas in the wild. So I said, yes. And then um, I got up in the morning, got on the boat, and then within about half an hour, I was sat in the middle of the uh, Pacific Ocean with... 10 to 20 killer whales just circling me just singing and splashing and moving around and that is all because of some work that i did a few years ago i was sat on a boat in the middle of the ocean with killer whales surrounding me and it was just and i kind of pinched myself that it even happened so i'm glad to took a few pictures and videos but yeah <laughs> so that's my that's my blackfish story yeah i mean it is, it is incredible and and and, and i love the fact that obviously it's such a big part of your life and obviously a massive part of the children's lives as well but just to you know to be able to I would imagine every time you you say it you kind of get that sort of same feeling and that sort of must be very proud of what happened and all that kind of thing must come back every single time definitely and just you know when when I speak to teachers about you know when I first started I mean I'm just a teacher that just took a risk and tried something a bit different and who knows you know the, the students i spoke to this week or people that i've spoken to previous you know are they going to give something a go and give something a try that maybe they wouldn't have done before because they thought someone like me wouldn't be possible but seeing that some like myself was able to do that by just taking a risk then maybe they'll do something like that themselves and i hope that some of them do and i'd love to hear if any of them actually do something a bit different like that and and from your experience of doing that, I know you've had lots of other opportunities as well. But um, and recently you've been on a BBC Live um, session, haven't you, on a panel talking about literacy and primary education? And yeah, is is it having these sort of real life experiences which just kind of really helps you sort of get that passion across that people can then relate to because you've actually been yeah. there, done it, and sort of got the T-shirt, so to speak. Yeah. So um, I did actually buy a T-shirt while I was there as well. For me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So the way that came around is I I, lit- I, I was talking about social media and the impact on social media and the positive side of social media um, a CPD session called Lean, Lead Learn Langs. So I was talking about how social media is on e-safety because at the moment we talk about e-safety in schools, they almost look at just the bad side of the internet which which is there but we don't always look at the positive side of the internet and so I talk about how we should look at both sides and have that balanced view and balanced argument because social media is there let's look at the positive side and use it rather than just scare scaremonger tactics with the young kids so I spoke about that and I used some of the floss example because from that we did some poetry we did some instructional writing and other stuff from it um so I used that example and I didn't know but in the audience was the producer of BBC um teach and so afterwards she said, that was great. Um, you know, would you mind doing something to do BBC Teach? And I said, well, yeah, of course I would. I'd love to. Um, and then they invited me onto the 500-word panel, um, you know, the 500-word competition that yeah. was just finished a few weeks ago, actually. Um, would I be uh, interested in being part of the panel with an author and uh, Julia Skinner, who's one of the head teachers? Um, I don't even know who Julia Skinner is, but she runs the head teacher's office. She's, um, and she has a 100-word blog that she runs. So um, I said yes to that. Um, I went down to the studios and I sat and watched the, the live lesson and I sat at the back and I actually got in trouble for waving at the camera of the, one of the producers because <laughs> I was because my class were watching the lesson back at home. So I thought, I've got to wave to them. So I waved to them and she went, no, no. And I was it's just really funny that I got in trouble and the kids were behaving really well in front of me. Um, and then David Williams was one of the surprise guests that they didn't confirm until like literally that morning because he was unsure they'd be able to make it. And he came and he did a reading. And then 
after the show had finished, he was kind of stood right in front of me. And I thought, gosh, David Williams is right in front of me. Shall I just have a word with him and just see if we can just talk to him and say how much I love his book? So I spoke to him and he spoke to me for a good five, ten minutes. And then um, he ended up recording a message for my class, for my school, um, for World Book Day, which was yesterday. So we actually got to show David Williams saying hi to Tottington Primary School and I hope you have a great day. Um, so that we were able to show that yesterday. And that was all before I even did the live panel. <laughs> so then I sat down trying to do the live panel with David Williams and like in the audience looking away. And um, I was really nervous. But when I actually got when I actually got talking about writing and creative writing with um, Christopher Reddy, who's a great author, and Julia Skinner, the presenter, I kind of my nerves calmed a little bit because it was something that I'm passionate about and something that I do daily because I'm in class. So it's something I kind of felt like I had a, um, I knew about. And um, it went really, really well. And then um, my mum's my mum's recorded it as well, so she's very proud of me. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's just that's just from one person. Again, a chance being in the audience of a session that I did talking about social media and the positivity of social media. And then from there, I ended up on the BBC. And I, I love I love the positive side of all of that, and um, in in so many different ways. I mean, here we are talking talking together um a few hundred miles uh, away from each other and yeah. at the same time being able to share these stories with people that wouldn't have necessarily heard it before you know and exactly. and, and like I say there are so many positive things and, and we should be quite rightly you know um understanding and mindful of, of all the negative things as well but like I say that balance of either side of everything that we're doing is a really key factor which I think it is, is, yeah. is, is such an important thing for us to to, to be aware of Simon, I, I, I feel like we could chat for the rest of the <laughs> evening, but it's probably um, we've covered so much stuff, and and I'm and I'm I'm really pleased that you've got the opportunity to to have the time within your week to sort of to do a lot of these extra things as well as your teaching as well, because I think that kind of natural ongoing learning that we can all get from from listening to people like you chatting, and I think is such a great. I mean, you could call it CPD or whatever you, whatever you want to call it, but actually, in reality, it's just learning great things from people who've had great experiences that want to help other people, both in terms of their students, but also in terms of the teachers and the people within this sort of education world. And I think that's the way that we all learn and we all grow, and that we can all share these experiences, which, at the end of the day, gives the people that are learning from us, I think, the best educational chances that they can. And, and what we've proved today is, you know, through English, through literacy but by just doing the work that you're doing day in day out in school that anything is possible and and it's you know the world is 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 your oyster if if you're actually just able to let that be the case completely agree so we should make sure that we finish off by that people want to find out more about you and follow you or right. at least go and check out the flossing video that um <laughs> where, where, right. where, where where can they find all where's the best place for them to to go and check all that stuff out Right, so my Facebook page is at Mr. Hunt's Ideas, so I post a lot of the lessons I do and my ideas on there and share things that I'm passionate about. So that's at Mr. Hunt's Ideas, or if you go to my email, my website, it's mrhuntfromthefront at gmail.com. And I call it Mr. Hunt from the Front because, I, you know, everything I talk about, I can I can back it up because I do it in class. So that's what's really interesting when I do my CPD sessions when I say, this works really well because here's a video of my class last week doing it. This works really well. I did it yesterday. And this works really well because I did it this morning. So I think as a, as a teacher, when you go to CPD sessions and when you go and see teacher speakers, um, I think it when you when you know it's a teacher that uses the things they're talking about day in day out it just adds value to what they're what they're talking about and i think that's what i can bring to the table when i do do cpd sessions when i do speak to people 
Um, I couldn't agree more. It's it, it's really in, inspirational just to, to chat to, and and uh, I really love the stories, and and I think we can all we can all sort of appreciate and take some of that, and hopefully take it back into our into our education world, which however we are involved in it. And um, thanks so much for sharing it in such an uh, an inspiring way today, and your time and and all the effort you're putting in. Thank you, and thanks for giving the opportunity to speak on your podcast as well. I appreciate that. Lovely. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I just wanted to remind you that we have some free downloadable English and literacy resources that have been given to us very kindly by teachingpacks.co.uk. If you go to our website, educationonfire.com, and in the top menu, click on blog, you will see each week I've been putting a free resource for you to download and explore to help you in your classroom. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to chatting to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.